0: Well, I just want to extend a... I don't think he's in the room right now. Is your dad leave? He's in the, Okay, we'll wait. Oh, shh, don't let a secret go. We'll wait. Um, Mondua is here. We love Mondua. He's the guy that I always reference to in my um, Hebrews message that I give. The dad that is like perfect. He's like the poster dad for all dads. Is this him? Everybody welcome Mondu Riyadh. Come on. It's the person I always talk about. He's awesome. Come on. Yeah. He serves on our board. He speaks into me and my wife. Him and his wife, Kathy, speaks into Bethany and I's life. He's a great man. He's the dad I, I wish I had. No, dad, please don't record that. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I love my dad. Amen. I just bumped my head. Okay, well, how many are enjoying this fast? Those who are engaged on this fast. Okay, we have five people that are enjoying the fast. How many people are enjoying this fast? Okay, couple. All right. You're all liars. You all are liars. No, I'm enjoying this fast. Listen, there's something that I... Not, in, no, I love food, okay? I wear... You, if you know me, you know this, what I preach. I, I love food. I just love everything about food. I, 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 just, I wear food like a badge of honor in this section right here on my body. And I love food so much that I'm willing to, to wear this with great pride, And you know, if I'm going to fast food, not fast food, not McDonald's fast, but if I'm going to actually fast food, man, there has to be a reason connected to why I'm going to be fasting that food. Because I love food so much. Maybe maybe that's not you, but for me, there's got to be a good reason why I'm going to go on a fast. And you know, I've been around for a long time, 35 years now. Some of you older than that, you're like, come on, dude, give me a break, 35 years. But it feels like a long time. And I've heard so much conversation in the body of Christ about fasting. And so much of the things that happen and don't happen, why we do it, why we don't do it. And all this language and articulation goes on, and it just gets confusing. But I, I've come to this understanding today through studying the Word of God, that if I'm going to fast, it's got to be for a reason. I'm not just going to give up something I love so much for the sake of giving it up. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be some kind of purpose because I love food so much. Anybody in here love food? Raise your hand. Come on. Now Will can eat food to the day is long and he still has the body of a model. Me? Not so much, but again, I love food so much that I don't care. I'm a carnivore. If I was a dinosaur, I would have been the Tyrannosaurus Rex, okay? I'm, when I fast, I'm like that angry shark on Nemo who tries so hard with his gang of two to like not eat the fish, you know? But then he gets that whiff of blood in his nose, and he's like, ah! and he just goes, and it's so funny, right? Well, it's not funny, but it's a funny story. Me and my wife, unfortunately, a good friend of our family, had, uh, our, our, a friend of ours, uh, he was the best man at our wedding. He recently died of cancer. He was battling it for like a, a year and a half, and he recently, it, it just, it won, and he uh, went to go be with the Lord. That's a serious story, but here's a funny story. We were at the wake, and, you know, we're fasting, and, and you know, of course, around these, these events, there's food, Ha! <sighs> And you know, and it's like that Nemo thing where you just get this, you're like, oh my God, I got to go. And my wife says this. She says, honey, listen, let's go to Olive Garden, have some salads and soups. I'm like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Go to Olive Garden and eat soups and salads. Now, I love the salads. Not so much of a fan about the soups, but I love the salads. And, but beyond that, you know, those breadsticks are enough to get you crazy, Fabiano, you know what I'm am i 'm saying? am I just but anyway, she had this epiphany that or, or this thought that we should go to Olive Garden and eat their salads and soup, and I was just like you 're nutty you 're nutty anyways, I love food, and if i 'm going to fast it 's got to be for a reason there 's got to be some kind of purpose attached to why i 'm going to give up something that I love so much now, in order for me to make those statements i got to I got to look in the word of God and I got to say, okay, Lord, where, where can I find this? You know, because there's so much talk and conversation around fasting, you just kind of get confused. I mean, there's a lot of talk and conversation around a lot of topics, right? And sometimes you just, you you be in the midst of all the voices, it's easy to just get confused. Why am I doing this? Why do we fast? Why do we pray? Is revival coming? Is revival not coming? All these things, you know. So for me, I got to get some word. I got to get into the word. I say, Lord, why do I feel like this? Because some of my brothers are saying I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel like this. I should just fast to get closer to Jesus. Listen, I don't need to fast to get closer to Jesus. I love Jesus. He's, he's my man. Okay, and I'm I'm just not needing f- fasting to kind of, you know, rediscover Christ. Why? Because I'm always trying to discover who Christ is. So I have to have some biblical understanding. Lord, Lord, why am I like this? And I got to be careful because a lot of my friends disagree with you know, what I'm going to preach to you today. And luckily, I was able to find some scriptures that validated how I really felt. I'm like, praise God. Now, of all the books in the Bible, I'm going to go Old Testament on you today. Is that okay? Yes, the Old Testament is still relevant, real and powerful. It's it's a good book and we, you know, it's just not here just so we uh, can ignore it. It's given to us for a reason. We love the Old Testament. Somebody say, I love the Old Testament. Tell your neighbor, I love the Old Testament. Come on. There's a reason I did that. But if, if I, I found the most obscure passages, Mandua, in, in the most obscure places. I, I actually went to the book of Ezra for this. Some of you are like, it's just like a pin drop because you're like, the book of Ezra, is that really a book? Is that really a book of the Bible? I mean, because you just don't hear many messages out of the book of Ezra. But luckily for us today, folks, I found something in the book of Ezra. Will you turn there with me? You can laugh in church. It's okay. Now, I'm going to give a brief summary on three chapters. If I was to read these three chapters, Wendy, you would fall asleep. You would disengage, and you would you know, if I went any longer, you'd probably start throwing stones at me. So, but what I want to start off is just reading. Um, if you could turn to Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, I'm going to read a couple verses. We're going to pray. I'm going to summarize. And we're going to go for this thing. Amen? Are you there? If you're there. Now, if, you're, if you need the Wi Fi, the, um, uh, the uh, passcode is INSPIRE. If you need the Wi Fi for those who are using iPads, Sheraton Meeting Rooms. Password, Inspire, and you'll be in to the Word. Don't look at Facebook, folks. This is church. Come on. Get saved. No, I'm just joking. Okay, Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. And there by the canal, I gave orders, I being Ezra, for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect our children and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king, four soldiers, and a horseman to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. I'm in the NLT, just in case you're wondering. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. But his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. We fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch me, that you would be upon me even now. God, I ask, Lord, that the spirit of clarity and wisdom would be upon my words. Lord, I ask that you would anoint this time, God, and that you would feed your people through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, I talked about three, basically, basically three chapters in the book of Ezra that I want to address, and I'm going to summarize, okay? And what you're going to have to do, because I'll probably butcher it a little bit. I won't get heretical, but I will butcher it, because I'm not a good storyteller, but I'm going to go for it anyway. So, but you can go back, and you can look through these three chapters, and you will get the basis of what I'm trying to communicate here today. Ezra chapter six, there was a king. His name was Darius, Okay. He had a desire, this is Ezra chapter 6, he had a desire to start searching uh, the Babylonian archives. He, he had a desire, it was intentional. He wanted to find information of what they called in the Old Testament, the book of Ezra, God's holy temple, aka the tabernacle of David, okay? If you're unfamiliar with that language, you've been living in a cave for about 12 years, you can laugh there. That was a joke, uh, but we don't really don't have time to get in what d- the d- uh, what David's tabernacle was. But here's three things I'll summarize: very, very, just plain, simple, s- simpleton form. Okay, think of a lot of animals dying and being slaughtered. A lot of music, okay, exalting the Lord, and a lot of preach doing te- preachers are d- priests. Sorry, doing temple duty. Okay, there's my there's my. Uh, uh, composition on the, uh, the, the uh, Tabernacle of David. So King Darius desired to find out information about the Tabernacle of David. Okay. And in sending out what we would call today historians to look into some of these archives they came across this uh, decree. Okay. And it was by King Sarius which was the king before King Darius. Are you following me? Mondua's following me. Okay. Praise God. He's the only one. Okay, he came across this decree, and this is what it says. If you would look at, if you're there, uh, chapter 6 of the book of Ezra, in verse 3, I'll start. In the first year of King Sarius' reign, a decree was sent out concerning the temple of God at Jerusalem, a.k.a. the tabernacle of David. Let's go on. And this is what it wrote. Let the temple be rebuilt on the site where the Jews used to offer their sacrifice, see? Using its original foundations. So he finds this document. And he now is inspired to see exactly how from the the time of King Sarius' decree was set forth. He's he's wanting to see where we're at. Did the tabernacle of David get rebuilt? Okay? So, unfortunately, King Darius was, no, I'm sorry, let me back up. Let me back up. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, sorry. King Darius was able to rebuild the, kingdom, the, the tabernacle of David, okay? He was able to. Now, between verse uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7, there was 58 years that passed. Not really recorded in the book of Ezra, but you find those 58 years in the book of Esther. Okay, so that's where you can find everything that happened between like that, that, that time gap between uh, Ezra chapter 6 and Ezra chapter 7. Everything that happened between those two chapters happened in the book of Esther. Now, if you don't know the book of Esther, I'm pretty sure we do. We, we hear a lot about uh, the, the Esther fast and, and, and the king and all that stuff, right? And Are you with me, Matthew? Okay, Matthew's with me. So, 58 years pass. Everything that happens there happens in the book of Esther. Okay. King Darius eventually dies. A new king comes into power. Now, I'm, you can't stone me. I'm summarizing here. We're trying to get through three uh, chapters of Ezra and a 58-year time gap. I mean, that's, you know, we... we, we gotta, and really, I mean, other than the verses that I pointed out, the book of Ezra, it's okay. No, I'm just joking. But, anyways... Another king steps onto the scene. The temple's rebuilt. It's going good. But they're lacking in some areas. You know, they're just, some exiles are coming back in from, you know, different wars that happen and different things that happen. They're coming back in and trying. The Levites are trying to get, you know, back in the fray of things. The priests are trying to get back in the fray. They're looking. They're recruiting. Everything's going on. Now, the new t- king, I'm not even going to, uh, I'm not even going to announce his name because I couldn't announce it. I just butcher it. You can look it in there. You'll find it. The new king He hears about all this work through King Sarius' decree to King Darius' final um, uh, dedication of the temple, the tabernacle of David. He says, hey, I wonder what's going on. I wonder where they're at. And he sends word. This is where Ezra comes into play in, um, I believe, chapter 7. He, in chapter 7, the king, the new king that's on uh, the scene now, he steps in and he says, I wonder what's going on. So he sends word. He sends a letter to Ezra. Ezra is, he's an astute man. He is an educated man. And his education is on the Old Testament. It's, it's not by mistake that Ezra got the letter from the new king. The new king knows who he is. And, 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 and Ezra's at this point leading a, a mass group of like 300 Uh, exiles to Jerusalem to help. Now the new king sends a letter and he says, listen, Ezra, I know you're going there with your group of exiles. I know you're going there with like 300 of your homies. Listen, I want you to take an inventory. I want you to take an inquiry of, of everything that you have and what you need. Why? Because the king has a desire to bless the house of God. He has a desire to make sure uh, everything is taken care of, and that you know this this decrees that Cyrus made, and this desire that Darius had to rebuild the kingdom of God is it's going as it should. Are you following me? I'm going to turn on my computer here. Sorry, I'm trying not to use this thing, but I I have yet to figure out how to take pages, put it on my iPad. Yeah, whatever. So I'm I'm electronically dumb. And you can find this here. Let's turn, if you would, Uh, chapter 7 of the book of Ezra. And I'm just going to read, just so you know it, um, the letter that was sent to Ezra from the king. And again, I'm not going to pronounce the king's name. Please don't make me. And if you know it, well, you're cool. King, had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and the scribe who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord of Israel. He's talking about Ezra. From the, boop, the king of kings to Ezra the priest. The teacher of the law of God of heaven. Greetings. Verse 13. I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priest and the Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council. Of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah, in Jerusalem, based on your God's law, which is in your hand. We are also commissioning you to take with you silver and gold, which were freely presenting, at, which were freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. So this is the letter that He sends to Ezra. Now, he is, sent, he is sending some serious goods to Ezra. Ezra is packing some serious heat. He's got some gold. You can turn over to eight. This is what he got. Chapter eight, uh, starting in verse, you don't have to turn there, but in verse 26, this is some of the things that Ezra has. 24 tons of silver. I don't know. I don't know. I, I used to work on hi, the highway, and we had what they call a one-tonne. And, and, and that truck, man, could carry some serious weight. So Ezra, he has 24 tons. Now, if you put 24 one tons on a worksite, site, it would clog up the highway. So he's, he's got a lot of silver. 24 tons of silver goes on. 7,500 pounds of silver articles. I don't, I don't know what that, that just, he's packing, right? 7,500 pounds of gold. How many wouldn't like that? Especially with the gold rush that's going on, you know? Uh, Two fine articles of uh, polished bronze and precious, as precious as gold. I don't even know what that's put in there, but it sounds pretty cool. Uh, But Ezra is, he's got some stuff with him. He's got 300 uh, servants made of families and children. You know, he's got, uh, he's got uh, a lot of riches and gold. He's traveling, he's traveling deep and loaded, Let's go back to uh, chapter 8, verse 21. These are the first verses that I read to you today. Are you following me today or am I confusing? Okay. I'm trying to fit three chapters in, in under 35 minutes. Praise God. But you have a book, so you can go home. You can study this thing. Hey, listen, we're fasting. You don't have to just stop at the Gospels. You can open the book of Ezra, and you can just study it. You can line upon Lisa, line, just like a drug You know, just like a drug addict. Sniff that thing, read it, and get it in your body. No, no, I'm just joking. Okay, 21. And there, by... Now, here's Ezra. Let me just go back to... Let me just go back to Ezra. He's finally hanging out by this canal, okay? He's, he's got his 300 homies, families, children, and he's got his gold, he's got his silver, and they're hanging out by this canal. And he finally stops these exiles, and he says, listen, I gotta, I gotta respond to what the letter that the king wrote me. I'm gonna take this inquiry. I'm gonna look into what we have, what we need, so on and so forth. So he does this. Ezra finds out, he says, oh man, no Levites have volunteered themselves to come on this journey and come back to Jerusalem to fuel uh, prayer and worship and the slaughtering of animals at the temple. And he's like, i got to do something about this. So he does exactly what the king orders him to do. He starts sending messengers out all throughout to start recruiting Levites. And he's able to uh, drum up 200, and I think, if the math's right, it says 220, but there's another portion where it says 30 more, so, and then there's another portion where it says 20. So I'm thinking like a 275 people. He's, how, who wouldn't like to do that in the house of prayer today, Will, if we just sent out messengers? Go recruit people for Boston. But he's pulling Levites in, and he He's able to recruit 275 Levites that are going to volunteer themselves to the temple duties and the temple work. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> now this is my point. I said all that, Sarah Riyadh, just to get you here. I could, probably could have skipped all of it just to, do, just to get this point. And right, my point is right here. But I want you to think about uh, what's going on in these three chapters in context. Because for me, when I was studying... I felt like it fueled me and it gave me insight and and actually gave me the peace to say, yeah, I'm not just fasting for my health. I mean, I'll probably get a little skinnier. That ain't bad. Wendy, God knows I could use it, right? But beyond that, I am not fasting because Bethany had a great idea that we would start the new year off as a community with a fast. I'm not interested. I don't like fasting. And when I do it, and don't look at me like you do. Don't look at me like you do. Don't get religious on me. Ain't nobody got time for that. We love food. Anyway, 21. Verses 21 of chapter 8. Now, let's read this again. And there, by the canal, I gave the orders... For all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We pray that he would give us a safe journey and protect us. Now, why why is Ezra praying that? It's very simple. Ezra has a lot of gold. He's got a lot of silver. Okay? He's got a lot of families. It goes on to say here, to protect us, our children, and our goods. He's got families. He's got little ones kicking around. And you know what? There's people out there. Later in uh, verse 31, you don't have to look there, but there's bandits. There's scavengers. There's people out there that would think nothing but to rob, kill, and destroy this pack of about 700 people traveling to Jerusalem trying to get to the tabernacle of David to fuel night and day prayer. So he knows. And you know, Ezra made a bold declaration to the king. What did he say here? Let me find it. He says it here in the the second half of verse 22. Our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. But his fierce anger rages against those who have abandoned him. He made this declaration to the king. Because he had this moment of faith that came into his head. No, we don't need any of the king's horsemen to protect us. We don't, we don't need these guards to, to... God's hand is on us. And God protects those who he loves. He protects the righteous. He makes. But then, as he's by that area on that canal, he has a moment of like, Oh my God, I got a lot of money. I got a lot of riches. I got some families. I got some little ones. What am I going to do? What, what, what's going on? What am I going to? Uh, fear is gripping his heart. He's concerned. I don't know about you. Sounds like me. I'm all big in front of the king. Yeah, man, we got this. God's on our side. Yeah? Okay, we'll see. And then the moment I get in that situation where my faith is being tested, I'm like, oh, my God, Will, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know? We're, we're Nobody to protect us. What does Ezra do? He's said, like, friends and family, we can't trust. In the king's chariot are there guardsmen. What are we gonna do? We're gonna humble ourselves, and we're gonna pray, and we're gonna fast. Do you get what I'm trying to communicate today? Ezra calls a fast. Why? That the hand of the Lord might guide them, be upon them, and protect them from bad people. So, in my mind, that encourages me deeply to say, yes, I'm not just fasting to fast. I'm fasting because I am expecting God to do great things in my life, in my family. In my community. Oh, I know. I, we get well. We don't. We don't fast because of that. Oh well. Maybe you don't, friend, but I do. You can. You can. We can, You can be fine if that's the way you want to look at your fast and, and whatnot. But for me, I need some things from God. I, Wendy, I think this is. This is good. This is good. Ezra, guys, come on! Let's come together. We gotta fast. We got no. We got no protection. We're out here. We might as well have a bullseye on our group of, of seven hundred people. And, and, and we got some riches, and we got some people. We got some family and kids. We gotta pray. We gotta humble ourselves. We gotta fast because the hand of the Lord's gonna be upon us so that we can we can go and and get upon this journey all the way to Jerusalem, the fuel, the house of prayer is essentially what Ezra's saying. In Ezra, later in this chapter of chapter 8, he contributes uh, the protection that that group, that band of people had. He contributes to that, that little thing that happened on the canal when he called the group to pray and to fast and to humble themselves. Listen, there's always a reason why those three words are really close to one another when they're used in the Bible. Humble, pray, and fasting. There's, I, I can't find many scriptures. I'm sure they're in there, but those three words are usually linked. They're usually re- maybe side by side, in the same paragraph, under each other, over each other. They're, they're definitely close. What is my point? You can't, you can't fast without first humbling yourself. Hey, I, I won't be able to make this fast unless I humble myself. Why? Because I love food. And currently, I don't really need that much from God life is pretty good. It's pretty good, Fabiano. Really is. Because, you know, for the most part, we usually fast when we're in that Ezra position, right? You know, it's like, oh God, being hedged in, boom, doom, you know, seems like everything's going wrong, and everybody's against me, and this person's saying this about me, this person's saying that about, what do we do? Oh, we're gonna fast. Uh, the money's tight, no work's coming, I'm gonna fast. You know what? You know what I'm saying? Don't, Listen, you know we're all there, right? Come on, amen, amen. Listen, I, I don't think just because I'm here that I'm not there, you know what I'm saying? Don't you just think just because I'm presenting the word to you that I don't have moments of just blindness when life is going good. It didn't make any sense to me, although we do it every year, to fast to bring in the new year. But in order to understand why we fast, I had to humble myself. I had to say, Lord, I don't see a reason. I don't have an immediate need. I don't have, everything seems to be going good. God, you good. I, I, let's just keep on going. Let's just keep on tracking. And luckily for me, I got a wife. I, listen, if you have a wife like this, you count your lucky stars. I got a wife that's like, well, we got to fast. You count your lucky stars. It's a good thing. So humble yourself, fast, and certainly you don't want to do those two things without prayer. Have you ever just gone on a fast, Fabiano, and you fasted without any prayer, without any studying of the Word? I don't know. I've been there. I can think of 40 days when we established the Justice House of Prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I was that guy. Listen, you don't want to be that guy, okay? Especially with like a group of 70 who are going hard after the Lord. I was that guy saying, hey, you know, I got to go home. I got to check if the heat's on. I'll be back, and I'm going home, and I'm stopping in McDonald's, and and, you know, don't tell my wife, please. You know, everybody, it's like getting really skinny, and here's Daryl. Hey, guys, what's up? (laughs) You know, it's just crazy. You think they would, you know, the sermon would kick in. (laughs) It's terrible. I don't recommend it, but you can't, you can't, it's, It's absolutely meaningless. It's, it's a, listen, you might as well stuff McDonald's in your mouth. If you don't incorporate some studying of the word, if you don't actually get on your knees and pray a little bit, if you have a hard time with it, listen, we have eight prayer sets. Eight. Ten, I'm sorry, there's ten prayer sets right now. If you have a hard time praying, come to the house of prayer. Bing. Oh, I just, you know, I don't like praying. Well, brother, sister, you better start liking prayer. I, and I don't, listen, I don't say that with any kind of anger or anything. Prayer is going to be what sustains a lot of us in the last days. And if you can't learn to pray now, man, a man alive. I'm not being religious. I'm just being truthful. If I can't develop a prayer life now, Fabiano, I'm going to be a wreck, man. I'll be one of those that it was spoken with. God had to shorten the day so that my soul didn't get snuffed. You've got to incorporate a little prayer in your diet. You just can't flip on the television screen and, and say I'm fasting. It just doesn't work. It's, it's, it doesn't work. I have no scriptural basis for it. But it don't. It's a waste of time. You might as well be stuffing food in your mouth. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just passionate. Wendy, please, please look at me like you love me. (laughs) Anyways, do you get what I'm saying? Humble yourself fast and pray. You got to first humble yourself. Then you get into the fast. And humbling yourself makes it easy. Because you're already low and you're already acknowledging your need for him. And then you incorporate a little prayer. Amen. If you would turn real quickly. And I have so much that I want to say today. But we're going to turn to Joel chapter 2. I'm not going to get much into this. So don't get scared. I know that Joel chapter 2 is a butchered (laughs) um, portion of scripture in the body of Christ. Please, you know, if you... If you're around any time, there's a lot of interpretations of this scripture. But I'm not even going to go into some of those interpretations. I'm going to keep it simple, Wendy. I'm going to keep it very simple, okay? Joel chapter 2. I'm going to give you the first. I'm going to give you a quick summary of the first couple chapters. It's actually 1 through 11. I'm not going to read them. Essentially, this is what's happening. First, let's understand this about Joel chapter 2. There's a great day, okay? There's a great day of judgment that's coming Immediate judgment that's coming to, to Israel, particularly the tribe of Judah. Why? Because of their sins, because of their stiff-neckedness. God's looking to get a hold of them. Then there's the great and final day, towards the end of Joel chapter 2, which is speaking of the second coming of Christ, okay? So there's two great days. I'm not going to touch the second day, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on the first day, the immediate judgment day. Now, don't don't go there in your minds. I'm not going to talk about judgment. I'm I'm just going to say some scripture. Essentially, this is what's happening. God is looking to get Israel's attention. And he starts prophesying through the prophet Joel. And Joel starts prophesying about some mean and angry insects. They're going to start pillaging their land. And this is where I want to come in at verse 12. So you have to understand that the first 13 chapters is Joel telling these people what is going to happen because of their sin and their rebellion to God. But then he comes in. God is good, isn't he? God puts this little clause in there. He puts this like, but if. I know you. we don't like that word in church. We don't like to think that God works like, but if. But he, this is what he does in the book of Joel. Let's read. In verse 12. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is still time. Now this is in const- context to all that kind of mean prophecy that God was speaking to the, to the nation of Israel, okay? So he says, turn to me while there is still time. Time for what, Sarah? Time. There's still time. Listen, these mad, angry insects aren't there yet. Judah there's still time. There's still time. Turn to me now while there's still time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping in mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate. Slow to anger And filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Come on. Who knows? Who knows? This is what he says. Perhaps he, he being the Lord, will give you a reprieve. Sending you a blessing instead of a curse. Come on. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. And he goes on. In the book of Joel, God puts a clause. He puts this but if in there. And wouldn't you know the but if had to do with what? Fasting, weeping, and mourning. If you would do this, if you would do this, Judah, if you would do this, Israel, you never know. I might relent. I might give you a reprieve. I might, I might, I might bless you instead of cursing you. So fasting does nothing? When God gives you an invitation? When God gives a whole nation an invitation? I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I would be signing. Uh, might, uh, as much as I love food, I'd be like, put my name on a piece of paper. I'm ready to fast. I don't want them angry insects coming. I'm, I, I, I'm fine with giving up my cheeseburger. When God himself gives a nation an invitation to fast, to humble themselves, to weep and mourn. Don't tear their religious clothes, but rather let their hearts be torn. Man, I, sign me up, John. Guys, what is my point? These are just two scriptures. There, there is tons of stories where either God's protection... His favor, his blessing, his goodness, rather than his severity, broke out because there was a people who were praying, fasting, weeping, and mourning, saying, God, forgive us. Is that my point about the weeping and mourning? No. What my point is, fasting is good, and God loves it. Not only does he love it, he provides doors of hope for entire people groups and nations to enter into the, his mercy rather than to receive his wrath because of their sin. Come on. So why in the church do we go around and we just try to you know fake it till we make it? I, I'm just fasting. I'll oh, bless the Lord. Nothing more I like to do with my time. No, we listen we got to know that we're on this 40-day journey just so at the end we can say we did a 40-day fast don't know really what happened but praise god listen if you have something that you need an answer that you need a breakthrough on and 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 you are fasting because of that listen go for it sweetheart go for it young man Go for it. Ain't no shame in that game. Come on, I was a young man, 18 years old. 18 years old. I don't know what came on me. I know what came on me. His name was Lou Engel. And anybody who hangs around that guy, good night. He just fasting. Not so much now, but man, in his, his heydays, good Lord. I was able to go out and, well, a, a time ago, and serve uh, what was called the purple pig tour. Listen, yeah, the name's a little weird. I get it, okay, for a bunch of Christians to be, you know, I get it. But it was really cool tour, and, it, and Lou Engel was the man who was, you know, he's married my wife and I. He's baptized our little child, so he's close. And wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, wasn't the plan, never heard of it prior to, but we go on this journey. Now, I'm two weeks away from my family for this. We're, we're traveling all throughout California, mainly in universities, just bringing worship and the message of praying and fasting and praying communities and all this. And things aren't going so well. (laughs) We go to our first little meeting. Sorry, Will, I don't mean to baptize you with my spit, but we're going to this meeting, and our first meeting, man, you could have heard grasshoppers. Every word, every song that we sung. It was like, oh my God, I'm going home. Where's how can I book my ticket back to New England? It was rough. I don't know if you've ever been around Lou. I've I've been around him for now 15 years. But whenever things get rough, he calls a fast. And wouldn't you know, Lou, because things were going rough with our little band of like 15 young guys, he called a fast. He's like, guys, the proof is in the pudding. These services are rough. They're actually supposed to be good. I mean, we got a couple hundred people coming to these services. I mean, we want to we want to kind of get some breakthrough here. We are to kind of get we going to get we going to kind of get the, the anointing of the holy spirit in the room. That would be great, you know, if people actually got ministered to rather than flooding out the door. And so yeah, typical we're like, "Oh, great. Glory." Here we are working our tails off, staying up late, getting up early. I mean, listen, have you ever traveled? We're in a van with a trailer. Have you ever traveled through California in a van? It's certainly not like traveling through New England. My God! It's like I felt like I was going to Kansas City just to get to Reading from San Diego. It was not cool. It's not cool. It's not right. And a van of stinky young men. Only two of us was married. Yeah, you can imagine what that was like. So, Lou calls a fast, of course, of course. But wouldn't you know, we get this fast going and them services explode. They just open up. The glory of God is, it's, ah, this is why I came. Guys, listen. God is not obligated to do anything when we fast. But you know what? It doesn't mean that he won't. It does not mean he won't. So I've learned, rather it being fasting and prayer and whatever I'm doing, that God is able to meet all of my needs. Not just my needs, my friends' needs. Not just my friends' needs, but my church's needs. Not just my church's needs, but my city's needs. God can do things and we should never, ever, ever... In the midst of our fast. Do away. With God working. Impossible things throughout our lives. What does that mean? Let me get back to another testimony. And then I'll close. I was a young man. Around 18. I had a problem. I'm not going to go into what that problem is. You won't want to hear it. It's just I'm not going to do that. Don't make me. It's just weird. But anyways. I had a problem. I had something of which I desired wholeheartedly as a young passionate believer desired to get free from in my life. It was just you know you know when you just encounter God you sign up and you're like ah I, I, I love this. I love this new relationship. I love I love you God. Why didn't I do this 10 years ago? What's what was it? and you go through this you're passionate but yet you have this one little you know, you just have this one thing that just reminds you daily of your old man and your old self. Am I alone? Those who signed up new and you're Christian? Man, I had this for a long time. And I, I just had a strong desire to get free. So Luke comes into town. This is probably our second time meeting him. He's preaching on fasting. And and I just, I had this epiphany, you know, just, this thought that like, he was sharing about a scripture that these things come out only by praying and fasting. <laughs> and I, I, in my zeal-filled heart was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, there was really no biblical position for me to do what I did because I actually did 40 days on water. 40 days, I know, I know. How did I get this big? And I you know, I know. I know. I know. But I did 40 days on water just because I so wanted to get free. Twice I did this. Once when I was 18, another time when I was 23. Luckily, 23 I was working hard, so I had to do it, you know, and I did it well. But it was all with a desire to get free. It was all with a desire that, Lord, if these things only come out by praying and fasting, God, deliver me. I need this. Because there was such a battle in my mind. How can I love you, God, but yet practice this? How can I say that you have my heart, but yet have this? Ah, such confusion and such a war. And I was desperate. Now, I hate to let you down. I don't even know why I'm sharing this, honestly. But I hate to let you down. Ain't a sticking thing happened when I fast. When I fasted for those 40 days on water. Didn't get free. Didn't get... Nothing happened. And I could have at that moment just said like, God, you know what? What is it worth? You know, I thought this was going to be something that kind of just opened up this area of my life and your healing would have touched my heart and kind of delivered me, but it didn't. So I'm just going to get... I'm not going to do that again. And of course... I mean, it was just ludicrous. I don't recommend doing a 40-day fast on water. I don't, I don't. yeah, um, don't do that. But I could have given up. I could have just said, I'm done, Lord, I'm done. But you know what? I decided to sign back up a couple years later. I didn't do the 40-day water fast, but I decided to get filled with some hunger and give up some, Comforts and normalities in my life, like food, because food was a well, it was normal, it's very normal. And um, I decided to get rid of it. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? The Lord touched my heart in a significant way. Why He didn't, when I did those 40 day water fasts, I don't know. Okay, I, I really don't have any understanding, any biblical standing, but. He didn't do a thing. But you know what? I decided, I decided not to get jaded. I decided not to just say, yeah, fasting is bonk. But I decided to sign back up. And wouldn't you know, the Lord touched me on a three-day Esther fast. Wouldn't you know? You know, there's something about fasting. You know, I think sometimes we look at Jesus' words, and we kind of like just build an argument to, to kind of disagree with people who love to fast. You know, because it seemed like Jesus was always like up and up on the religious people's face and saying, yeah, you know, and he's like, you know, why don't the Pharisees and John the Baptist disciples fast? He's like, well, the bridegroom's here. I mean, well, that's silly. You know, we're going to feast, right? And you have many other scriptures that elude that. You know, Jesus never attacked fasting. He never did. He more, he more took an approach at looking at having people look at their hearts and why they're doing what they're doing. You know, there's a big difference from fasting under the law. And I think that's what was going on. I think I had some kind of mentality in my mind. That if I do this and look awesome in my youth group. Yeah. <laughs> As if, who cares, right? But if I do this, the Lord's going to touch my life. Legalist, you know, kind of like telling everybody, yeah, I'm going on a 40-day water fast. Do you want to be like me? Don't you wish you could be like me? <laughs> I don't even know if I did it well, but I, I, I definitely shared it with everybody. I even shared so much that a lady in my church gave me a pillow with a note saying, have a radical sabbatical. I was so trumpeting this thing. Hey guys, I'm fasting. And some lady who had sympathy on me gave me this pillow on the first day of my fast she gave it to pastor marlene with a note that said have a radical sabbatical enjoy your 40 days man i mean i was like you know yeah you wish you were spiritual like me but jesus never attacked fasting he attacked why people were fasting there's a difference from fasting under the law and i think that's what jesus tried to do to try to break some of those Old Testament mindsets? Because face it or like it or not, John the Baptist, peeps, they were fasting under that law, man. They were still under that mindset. I know, I, listen, I know they were godly, you know, they loved, you know, but they were still fasting the law. And Jesus says, no, there's a better way to do this. There's a better way to do this. It's under grace. So I laid down some of my zeal and some of my religious frame outwardly and I finally get some reality and some realness in my heart I simply go on a three day water fast and wouldn't you know the Lord encountered me he meted me it's almost like he reached into my heart and ripped that thing that I so desired him to always rip out he just did it let's stand to our feet now listen while you're closing your eyes we want to start this fast well, and we want to end it well. There's, there's not much said about a runner who starts a marathon. You know, it's really, there's nothing glorious about that. I myself, even though I probably would never finish a marathon, if I just started it, it really wouldn't amount to nothing. But those who finish it, isn't that where the testimony's at? Those who finish and finish well. Listen, I want our community Not only to start this fast, but to finish it well. Listen, if you find yourself in the back closet trying to hide from your wife, sneaking potato chips, it's all right. There's grace. But sign back up, Steve. (laughs) Sign back. No, I'm not saying Steve did that. I just, he's, you know, I love him. Sign back up. Don't, don't just have a couple impulses of failure cause to cause you to be derailed sign back up listen i've done that tons of times i'm like honey i'm going for a ride mcdonald's give me a large fry (laughs) you know i've done it but you know what i've learned that there's no condemnation for those who are in christ you can actually with a sincere heart press delete and sign back up so community listen we want to start this well we want to finish it well let's pray God, we ask for the grace, the grace of God to rest upon.